Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Swinmurn, otherwise known as Coast Talk. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. Whether it's sports, tech, food, fitness, I've got a bunch of passions. I've also been fortunate enough to invest in some of my favorite sports teams. Along the way, I've met a bunch of great people, whether athletes, entrepreneurs, executives, and we hope to dive into their stories on our show. You'll hear backstories, successes, and failures throughout our discussions. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy listening to the show. This is Coast Talk Talk. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast. On today's episode, I sit down with Ewan, creator of the Crypto Mori's. Welcome to the show, Ewan. How's it going? Hi. Thank you. Uh, it's going very well. W- what about you? Good. I'm a... Uh... I, I always thought it was Iwan. We just went over this. It's Iwan, the French pronunciation. So I'm going to try my best to stick with uh, Iwan the whole time. But maybe we'll do a counter of how many times uh, we <laughs> rotate back and forth. Yeah, you, you <laughs> some people me Iwan, whatever you prefer. <laughs> Super excited to have you on. Um, I've been a collector of the Morris um, for quite some time. It was the first uh, first project that really unlocked community for me and what that meant, and kind of really uh, changed my mind on on what was possible. Um, so always appreciated you for that. No, and then obviously, you know, followed you and your art and, and a bunch of stuff. And so excited to uh, get you on here. I think it'll be a really interesting episode for people to, you know, you've, you've touched on your backstory before, but I think if we kind of start with that, if you want to do a quick introduction, um, let those listeners who may not be as familiar with the project know who you are, and then we'll, and then we'll dive into it. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, super, super happy to do. Uh, this podcast with you. I think it's a really good idea. And yeah, so to speak a little bit about me, uh, well, I started as a, as a painter uh, professionally. I uh, was always very interested in art since I was a kid, wanted to do a lot of movies and used to do gymnastics and filming the whole gymnastic things, trying to make some little fighting scenarios and everything. Uh, eventually felt super you know, painting really resonated with me and I really wanted to do painting for a reason. So starting doing painting, then my father had an idea of uh, a video game he wanted to do. Since I knew how to do a lot of digital stuff, we started working together and suddenly um, we discovered NFTs and we saw a lot of potential uh, in, in the whole technology behind the blockchain and everything. And we didn't really know... Um, to be honest, what, the whole potential, and I think nobody truly knows the whole potential even right now, but we, we felt like there was something amazing to be done. And that's how we started just taking a break in the video game we were doing and, and doing NFTs. Yeah. Now, you, you, uh, you were born in Paris, but you moved around quite a bit uh, as a child. I guess you lived in a few different countries. And yeah. How, what, was that, uh, what was that experience like? Why, why, how did you end up moving Moving well, around. Well, my my uh, father was a trader uh, for for uh, quite a long time. Uh, he started in Paris, and then he felt like the job uh, wasn't really interesting, and he he had the feeling he he would not want to continue his whole life doing this job in Paris, uh, taking you know the um, the underground and everything to go to work every morning. And he had the oppor- opportunity to go to Japan and do trading over there and then that's thought it was more exciting uh, a more exciting life so we went to japan and then uh went to london and moved quite a bit like this for a few years uh, and ended up back in uh, in paris when i was 10 years old i think something like this and yeah the experience was absolutely fantastic do you think it influenced your your thoughts on what was possible from just being in different cultures at such a young age um, well, this, there, there, there's two things. The first thing is that when we were in Japan, I can remember that it was very easy to travel to, you know, Australia, to Asia and everything. So I'm, I got used to see a lot of different people with different ways of living. And this uh, straight away kinds of uh, changes the way you see uh, humanity and society, the, the, the way you see rules and cultures. Uh, it, for some time, I struggled a bit with understanding why in France people were doing things this way and seemed to believe it was the only way. Uh, where, whereas, you know, I knew there was some other cultures and I, I have 
uh, experienced other cultures. So this was a bit complicated, but I guess uh, helped me understand a lot of things in life. And the other thing is, yeah, just the uh, the way of living and the art in Japan is is it's like another another world, another dimension. Everything is different, and uh, I know that a lot of what I do today is very much inspired by uh, by by Japan. Even the crypto moris, uh, they have a style that is uh, that could be called uh, kawaii, which means cute, uh, like Hello Kitty and and all those uh, Pokemon and all those stuff and yeah, they have this fascinating thing between sometimes super elegant and detailed artwork and sometimes very simple and cute artwork. And that's the kind of thing I play with. So the Crypto Moris are the cute, cute part. And my one ones and and even the Samos maybe are, are more intricate and, and detailed. Yeah. Did you how how old were you when you when you really started, I don't know, drawing or painting or really getting into that beyond, you know, a normal kid doing some sketches? Well, I actually started super late as a kid. Uh, I think I started only like I was five years old, maybe. I didn't draw before at all. Uh, but I started straight away drawing uh, a lot. And I can remember, I guess, the first time I started, yeah, I remember pushing a bit the, the drawing more than a normal kid. Uh, I must have been maybe eight years old. Uh, I used to spend dozens of hours on even one drawing to be sure that the hand had the perfect shape. Um, I remember playing with webcams, doing some stop motion animation and taking the whole day, uh, you know, even playing with toys, making them move and, and having some little scenarios and stuff like this. And I guess that already was a bit, a bit, maybe more than, than most kids. But I, I think when I decided yeah. to do art of my life, when I was uh, 13 years old, I had been doing uh, backflips and stuff like this for one year and started filming it and then i had ideas i wanted to put them into movies and stuff like this and that is the when i started doing photoshop and after effect and stuff like this that's funny yeah no i think i was just falling downstairs and kicking a soccer ball was pretty much all i was all i was capable of at that age so you were considering if i if i read correctly you were kind of torn between becoming a doctor or becoming an artist one was yeah. i assume what you thought you were supposed to do when one was what you really wanted to do is that accurate? Um, not really, actually. I'm, I'm, I've always been super interested by all the medical stuff. Uh, and it wasn't, I thought about becoming a doctor, but the problem I had with becoming a doctor is that I liked the knowledge, but I didn't really like the job. Uh, so I, I find uh, osteopath, um, you know, which is like a chiropractor. Um, yeah. And that was much more interesting to me. And I really, I didn't really understand art that much at that time. Uh, so I didn't see myself. I didn't w know what it meant to actually do art as a job. So I was doing it for fun. And well, I was actually getting paid to do some stuff, uh, little commercials and stuff. And at the same time, I was doing my studies in uh, osteopathy. And what happened is I became, uh, I, I, I stopped sleeping a bit and I became very bad at uh, osteopathy. I couldn't learn everything and I started forgetting stuff and not knowing how to do it. And I became very bad at art. I was stuck. I was like, okay, I need to understand something more to, to, to get good at this. And I don't have time to do it. So at some point it was like, what do I prefer doing? And yeah, I, I love doing both. It's just that art is, is much more exciting to me. So the choice was a bit natural at some point. And what was that transition? What was the, um, like, I think a lot of people do art and a lot, of, and, and now obviously there's a lot of different forms um, and a lot more digital stuff career wise, but what was your, um, what were you doing when you first started getting paid for art? Um, well, at first I was with, uh, I used to do gymnastic, like I told you, but it was with my, my best friend and we started filming and creating movies together. And as we grew up, we became better at what we were doing and we stopped, you know, recording gymnastics. We just started doing movies and animation and stuff like this. Uh, and eventually we became quite good at it and a lot of people uh, like startups and stuff like this asked us to do some uh, commercials for them for them so uh, that's how we got paid a bit how did they find you how did they discover what you were doing i think it started with uh my friend was in in a, a business school so he started doing videos for for the school for little parties and stuff like this and then guys that had had the diplomas um, asked him to do a little commercial. So we did it, the, both of us. And then 
you know, just pe people started talking about it. And since we were not uh, expensive at all, uh, and probably better than most people that were that cheap at that time, uh, we got a lot of calls and eventually we started putting our, you know, uh, prices up a little bit. Nice. And then how, what, what was the, uh, what was next after that? How did you, um, well, what was next is, I don't know, suddenly I wanted to do something a bit more artistic and the problem is I was stuck. Everything I was doing was inspired from movies I was looking at and nothing was really from my own personality or mind. And I felt, I didn't know how to, to, to get creative in a way, uh, to, to be my own self. And for some reason, that's the time where I thought that painting was the best way for me to, to become creative and, and understand how to be original. Um, at, at the time it was just an instinct, uh, an intuition, you know, but I had no idea why. And eventually today, maybe it's because it's the, the most, it's a very simple thing that I can do on my own uh, multiple times a day until I understand why one thing could be working as art and one, another one would not be working as art. And yeah, once I had this, I could do a bit of anything. I uh, started thinking about movies, video games and everything. And that's why when NFTs came out, it was like a super opportunity. Uh, I think I did painting mostly because one, it was fun. And secondly, because it helped me understand what it was to create something without copying yeah, another artist in a way. Yeah. And what was your, um, what was your first discovery of NFTs? What was the first thing that you, how did you get into it? And what was your first impression? Oh, that, yeah, that's, I, I will always remember the feeling I had. Uh, I was, uh, I had just got married with, uh, with my wife, uh, and we went on our honeymoon and at some point, uh, it was raining a lot. Uh, we went to grab some pizza and we came back, we were in the hotel, we had nothing to do. And I just started looking at my phone and I saw that guy saying he was a painter and he said, secondary sales are amazing. I just got $800 uh, in my back, in my wallet. And I was like, what the hell is he talking about? How, how does one make, how does one painter has secondary sales? I thought this was, you know, for music or something. Uh, so I clicked on the yeah. link straight away. Um, I ended up on super rare and I started looking at all those things. Uh, I discovered e uh, ether, uh, ETH at, uh, ETH yeah. at that time. Uh, and I was like, okay, m most of these artworks are not so good and they are selling for 10 times what I'm making when I'm doing a I'm painting two meters by two meters. Uh, and I, I was like, I had this feeling, this burning feeling inside that I had to stop everything I was doing and I just had to start, you know, uh, investigating with all my soul and all my energy, what this thing was. And so that's what I did. And your wife is, you're on your honeymoon and your wife's like, wait a minute, you've just, you've just found a passion that you're completely distracted by. What was that like? Like, Hey, I know we're on our honeymoon, but I gotta, I gotta learn more about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually I was like, I think I spent maybe two hours at that time, like really looking at it. And I, I showed her, I was, I was like, look what I discovered this. Yeah. I, I didn't even know if it was real. You know, I was like, is this real money? Is it, is ETH real money? What is, what is this thing? And I, yeah, I think it was maybe one or two days before the end of the honeymoon. So I just put the phone a bit aside for two days, but I was, I had, I had it in mind for two days and I was like, okay, as soon as we're coming back home, uh, I'm, I'm going to download and every single thing I, I see and can read about it. Yeah. So did you start at that point? Did you just start creating? Did you start collecting? Did you do a little bit of both? Uh, no, not collecting at all, because to be honest, um, most of the art I was looking at, I didn't find it very good. Uh, I was like, I had been doing yeah. digital work with my friend for 10 years uh, since we were kids and we had reached a certain level. And I knew a lot of artists, digital artists that were actually better than what I was seeing in NFT. So I wasn't planning on buying at all uh, at that time. I saw the CryptoPunks and I was like, how can this sell for such a big amount of money? Now I understand, but at that time I was like, okay, this is, this is mental. And yeah. so I didn't start collecting at first. The first, uh, NFT I bought was, uh, was six board apes. Uh, the day they came out, I bought, I just had a feeling I bought six of them. 
uh, for I think the the most expensive one I had was a crown one I bought for one ETH. Uh, the other ones were point uh, oh point fifteen or something like this. Uh, yeah. I just started yeah after that, I started researching, understanding the different platforms, the technology, um, what it meant, what the whole thing, how the whole thing was working, how I could do it. Um, I, then I went to I, I started thinking about what I could do. So I started, you know, doing a lot of uh, different type of artworks, uh, some that could be generative, some that were one-ones. And just took a bit of time figuring out a good balance between what was an, what could be a good NFT and what was still good art. I didn't I had a lot of series that I think were shit, but I could have sold straight away doing the big euphoria thing, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to build a project even though I had no idea what it meant to have a project. I just wanted to do something where I would be happy talking about it, you know. I didn't want just to seize the money, yeah. uh, the opportunity to make money. I wanted still to to, to to put a bit of my soul in it so that I had a feeling it could be big and, and long-term. And if that was the case, I wanted to do something that was of quality. Uh, so I did a lot of research for a few months, maybe three or four months until the board apes. And at that time, I just told my dad, uh, with whom I was working on the video game, we need to stop what we're doing right now. You need to learn solidity and how to do a contract. I didn't want to do the OpenSea uh, storefront contract. I wanted to do our own thing because I thought it was interesting. And we couldn't pretend to care about the technology if we didn't learn how to do a contract. Um, so I asked him to learn. He was super okay. Uh, and we couldn't start with the whole 10K generative stuff. You know, uh, we had to start, to start with something a bit, a bit easier. Uh, so we started with Bill Samos. Uh, it was a struggle. Uh, but eventually it was super good. It sold out instantly. We were super happy. Uh, it was a great, great accomplishment for us. And then we were like, okay, now let's do a, a 10K. And I had this whole file of different uh, collections uh, and none of them were interesting enough to me. Uh, there, were, there was a lot of good stuff, but not good enough. Uh, there was always uh, lacking in a, an aspect to them. And suddenly before going on holiday, maybe in July, or uh, or August, I just had a the the more the idea of the skeleton. It's a skeleton I used to draw since I was a kid, and I was just like, well, but this is the the perfect profile picture, and it's also the perfect the perfect cute uh, bold uh, bold traits uh, art. But still, I can do some tattoos, some colors, some contrast. Uh, I can still do some a bit of art in it. So, and I, I remember telling my wife, okay, I I have the project, I have it, and I know that if, well, it sounds a bit childish to say that, but I, I remember telling her, uh, I've been struggling for money for 10 years, you know, so money was kind of an important aspect at that time. And I remember telling my wife, yeah. I got it. And I know that if I do it now, tomorrow, uh, I'm a millionaire. Um, so I guess I was right because it, it made a lot of money. But at the same time, we didn't take any of that money because it became more than just artwork. <laughs> Had it been art, I would have yeah. taken money. But it became a sort of brand and the potential became much bigger than art. And uh, then I was like, okay, we need to put this money into a company and, and to actually do something about it. Yeah. And what was it? How did you, to get Los Amos to sell out initially, how, what, how did you develop that initial audience? Was it people that were already familiar with you from the art you've been yeah. doing? Was it just, yeah, how did you get that it's, discovered in the first place? I did like everyone at the beginning of... Um, of NFTs, I just chilled, chilled my work here and there all the time. I uh, went to the guys that had followers and said, look at this. What do you think? Um, I, I, you know, DM'd a, a thousand of people just asking for um, an invite for foundation. Uh, at the time, it was the big thing. Everybody wanted an invite for foundation. Um, yeah, yeah, I just, you know, did what anybody that is unknown uh, need to do and talk to as many people as I could until a few people started uh, liking what I did. And then there was this uh, giveaway thing that that uh, appeared. It, at, at that time, it, it didn't really exist. Uh, so I started doing, doing the giveaways, uh, saying that uh, people that owned uh, board apes uh, could access to a giveaway where I would give them some Samos. And actually what happened is that a lot of people thought I was giving away uh, a board ape. 
so of course, uh, <laughs> I had like two, 2000 retweets on that giveaway and it, I had to apologize. Um, I was like, okay, maybe I, if so many people misunderstood, maybe I didn't speak English, uh, well enough. Uh, maybe I, I did. I, I thought I was pretty clear, but anyways, I, people didn't really, a lot of people didn't understand. And the fact is a lot of these people actually discovered the Samos with this giveaway. And then when we minted, we had a little bunch of followers. I think it was like 2,500 followers or something like this. Nice. That's awesome. So I, I really like, so you, so you tell your wife, Hey, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be a millionaire tomorrow. And then you, then you mint it. And that's kind of the interesting part about NFTs. And I think it's where there's so much conversation, right? Around like, around the expectations of the artists, the holders, the community, all these things. And so you realize, okay, this is, this is, this wasn't just a simple transaction or it's, it still could have been, but you, you decide I'm not going to make this a simple transaction where you just bought my art as a, as a collectible. I'm going to turn this into a brand, which it, which at least was a, was a conscious decision, right? Because I see a lot of, a lot of projects don't, they're still kind of torn as, as kind of being in the middle. Um, and so you see, okay, we've, we've created something. Um, I think now you guys have done like 14,000 ETH of resale, right? That's like, which for context of people out there, that's depending on the price of ETH at the time. I don't know. I'm assuming you have 30 million something dollars worth of, of, re, of resale, total resale where things have been resold over and over. Um, and so for people not familiar, one of the exciting things about NFTs is it allows the artists and the creators to, to take a royalty um, on that. And so every time something's resold, uh, part goes back to the project. But and I think yours is a really interesting one because, you know, there's always loud voices, um, a small amount of loud voices, which are always causing a ruckus, right? And 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 I think because I've been following the Mori so much, it was one of the, it was one of the things that made me aware as I launched my own project of like, there's this weird, it's like not it's defined but not defined of what the expectation, what the responsibility is of the creator, and also what the expectations are of the holders, because I think. A lot of holders out there think, wait a minute, I have one in 10,000, so therefore I own one ten-thousandth of this thing. And then they see these big numbers, and we see it now with Moonbirds, right? Moonbirds, uh, you know, basically gave out something for a silver nest, and it seemed like there's a little backlash of people being like, what? All I'm getting for free are like this fanny pack and these socks and these pins, and it's like, they don't do, a lot of people don't do the math, right? So if they sat there and they did the math and they thought, okay, hold on a second, if I owned one ten-thousandth of this, even if that was true, my share, you know, my, something that does 20, let's say something that does $10 million and you own one ten thousandth, that's only $1,000. So, but the expectation among these people is like, I own one ten thousandth, I bought a lottery ticket, I should be able to get, you know, infinite money and, and all these riches. They're not actually doing the math on, here's what actually would happen if, if it was broken down like that. How do you, um, I know you reply to a lot of it, which is great. Um, I think... You know, I think it's great to see someone just reply with what they think versus versus you know not replying or always coming out with a with a corporate answer. But what has your experience been like that with that that undefined kind of two polar sides of like the the creators the creators' responsibility and the and and what the holder feels like their expectations? Uh, I think one of the reason there is such a big mess uh, in the perception of what a creator should be doing and what a, an owner is, is he an investor or whatever, comes from the fact that nobody really knows what an, F an NFT is uh, in, in terms of a social <laughs> or art or whatever it is. It's not social, it's not art, it's, it's, not, it's a brand, it's, it's a bit different. And I think it started as art and very quickly with board apes and maybe... Maybe at first the punks, um, it became a bit of a community. With Board Apes, it became totally a community, a brand. And this whole thing is like, it's like a whole world changing so fast. And a lot of people made a lot of money. So I think there is a, a confusion between, like you said, being one in a, in a 10,000, in a 10K uh, owner and actually owning something that is going to have some value like Board Apes. Yeah, it happened. They, they made, uh, they became, the floor was 100, uh, 100 ETH at some point. 
Um, so everybody expects to every collection to do what it takes, every owners to actually do what it takes to bring their collection to 100 ETH. Um, but that's not really how it works. You have, you can't uh, expect to buy a product and have the creator do what you want him to do. If he didn't, if he sold the, if he uh, sold the project as uh, art, for instance, then he's not going to do anything else than art, and he's not going to provide more utility. And that's one of the things with, with NFT. Um, I think the, the biggest problem we have right now with all the fudding and with all all the, ex the, the delusional expectations come from the fact that a lot of people became rich really quick. A lot of people want to become rich really quick. And a lot of projects are actually scams. Uh, they, they are people that just yeah. want to make money. They ask somebody to do a few, like, few traits to do a character or whatever and then they go for it they make a few they make 200 ETH and they throw the project in the bin uh, and everybody kinds of fear this because at the same time everybody wants to do it it's, it's very attractive i mean i could i could have done a thousand collections uh, i have so many different art styles i could have done a thousand collections just do them win 200 ETH here 300 over there and then just disappear you know with different names it's, it's tempting when there's so much money to do. It's, it's much more complicated to actually do a startup. Uh, and I think, yeah, the main problems come from the main problem comes from money and, and people not doing research about who is behind the project, how good is the art, how good is the, the concept. I mean, if you look at board apes, yeah, it's just monkeys, but it's not just monkeys. You look behind them. It was, they had, they had a lot of, um, uh, I don't know how you say in English, but uh, self uh, humor, self derision, maybe I don't know. You know, like they said, it's mm -hmm. a yacht club, very exclusive. But the truth is, it was just like a little wood thing in the swamp. It's, it's funny, it's clever. Um, they had this whole thing: if yeah. you're part, part of the club, you can go and, and paint in the bathroom. That's that's one of the worst utility there is. But at the same time, it's just super fun. It's just fun. It's just vibes. And I guess yeah. The Moris were like Memento Mori. It was, you know, little skeletons. They Memento Mori is a thing. It means, you know, um, uh, remember you die. So you have to live your life. The life is short. It's a very old uh, Latin saying, and it's very often represented by a skull. And it's not a very complicated concept, but it's not a concept I created like, okay, I have some skeletons. What do I do with them? No, actually, you know, everything is kind of a mix in my mind. And I was like, okay, skeletons... There are Memento Mori, and that's the thing. They're super kind little little creatures, and they just share everything between them, and they just want to experience life as much as they can. Uh, I think most NFT that are coming out just copied board apes and said, like, okay, this is the bad zebras, uh, this is the clever spiders, or whatever. Uh, but truth is, that's not a concept. That's just somebody that wants to make money. And... Why not? I mean, why not seize an opportunity? The problem is, as an investor, you need to know what you're buying in. I think I've always been super transparent about what it was. At first, we did some art. One of the art that we did became a brand that had a potential. Uh, we could have said that we do not want to push that potential. We want to do art, and we are gonna, we are going to continue doing art and collections. But truth is, the potential was super interesting because it, it was it gathered a lot of nice and creative people uh, and we thought this is more interesting than just doing art and doing other collections uh, and so we told the people well we actually used to be uh, a video game company so we're going to find a way of bringing back the video games we were doing inside our project and start building around this and then people expected a game like the next day or something but it's it takes a lot of time to do and truth is it takes a lot of time also to change your whole mentality on something. Uh, when you work eight months uh, on a project with an idea in mind that this project is going to be art and is going to bring another art project and you're just going to build a whole, a whole project, and then suddenly it becomes a brand. It's not the same startup anymore. And you need to think about, do you have enough money? Do you have enough energy? It, are you able to do it? You know, it's not just like, oh, do, do, do a company. And, and bring us money and be bored apes. Yeah, but maybe I'm not able to do it. So I need to, to figure out if I'm able and if I want to do it. And 
everything goes so fast and everybody wants to be rich so fast that I understand this. These are the kind of things people don't want to think about. All they want is, is uh, results. Yeah. It's a good way to, to push the creators. And at the same time, there's a responsibility for the investors to research what they are investing in and the risk they have by investing. And there's also a responsibility for the creators to be able to, to take a step back and, and not get um, overwhelmed by this whole storm that is the, the, this revolutionary storm that are the NFTs. And that is something I had a bit of struggle with. Yeah. Too, ma- too much energy and comments and everything. Yeah, it's funny because I, I see it as like, um, it's tricky because people want, they want the projects to be more vocal. They, you know, there's a, there's a segment of the holders in the community that are really excited to hear. They want to hear brainstorming. They just want to hear more and more and more. And they, they, their expectations are not that everything you say, we will hold you to it, to the T forever. You know, they just want to hear like, oh, what are you thinking? And this is, they want to be part of that, that creative process. And there's another segment that, you know, I think is a little bit more, they want their money fast. And so they're a little bit more like, what did you say? You, hey, you said this on this date. And it's almost like, you know, well, yeah, but things change, you know, uh, one, people change their minds. So as a project, you might think, hey, this is, this is really exciting. Then time goes by, you know, outside events happen, or, or you just as you dive into the process, you go, ah, you know, here's, a, here's an issue we hadn't thought about, let's not do that anymore. And I always thought that, we wouldn't want it to get to the point where communities are so like holding everyone to everything they say and expecting everything instantly that it kind of stifled, you know, that creative process of, of moving back and forth. And then the other, but then you can see also when there's, like you said, there's projects out there that deceive people and it's such a new industry that it's hard. But the reality I think always is, you know, the people, a lot of people complaining the loudest about things or it's like they want, they wanted to, you know, no fault of their own. They, they, they jumped into it and, an environment where everything was going up and they wanted things to keep going up. But the reality is they want it to go up so they can sell it. And they want it, they want to, no one's going to try to sell it when they think it's like at a fraction of what it's going to be worth. So, so all the people, a lot of everyone's trying to time selling it at the peak. And so I always look at it like, listen, if I, if I hold an NFT and my goal is to sell it at the peak to someone else, I'm assuming that the person I'm selling it to is going to pay for something that then is going to be worth less. But it's those same people who, who, who don't like a project, you know, not, it's like a weird thing. Like they're, they're doing the same, they're doing the same thing to the person they're selling it to that they're, they're really rugging the person buying it from them, right? They're saying, Hey, this is the peak. I'm going to sell it to you. You give me the money and now it'll go down. And so it's a, it's a fascinating space and it's a, it's a crazy space. If you could, if you could start over one, this 10,000 seems I mean, I guess it was 10,000 from punks and it was 10,000 from apes, but it's funny how it's these, so something so quickly becomes the norm, right? It wasn't like there was a bunch of research that said, hey, the <laughs> best thing for projects would be 10,000. What would you do differently if you could, if you could start the Maury's over? What would, you, what would you do differently? Well, I tend to not think about what I would have done differently because I know that what I did, I always, I always give the best on myself. And, you know, what I did at the time is what I thought was right. So everything, and if, I guess if I had changed a little thing at the beginning, I wouldn't have had Impact Suite, for instance. Um, so Impact Suite, you know, it's the, the partnership we have with yeah. it's a company. We have a partnership with that gives uh, the Maury's free, uh, unlimited mental health uh, teletherapy. And this is, I didn't plan it. It was like, we started talking about, you know, people were like um, criticizing each other in the Discord. And I started saying, don't shame someone that is selling now because you never know if if his parents, you know, especially in the United States where uh, insurance, uh, medical insurance can be super expensive. Uh, if someone needs to sell a Mori because his father has a problem or or sister or whatever, uh, don't, don't shame, uh, sell shame him. You know, it's like he needs the money and that's it. Let's all be supportive of each other. And for some reason, this started uh, bringing in the whole mental health thing. Had I done things differently, maybe we wouldn't have had this. And to me, it's uh, it's maybe the most fantastic thing that we will ever do with the Maury's. Uh, I know I'm gonna. Yeah. I, I know we're gonna fight to do an amazing games. We have uh, a lot of merch and fantastic things coming. 
Uh, and I'm super happy about it because that's the stuff I wanted to do. But at the same time, the stuff that I didn't ever think about doing uh, became helping people to access mental health. So would I, have the, I don't think I would have done anything differently. The only thing I, I know is maybe I would have talked less. Um, I, I'm the kind of person I'm super passionate about what I do. So when I have an idea, I'm like, oh, we're going to do this. It would be great. And like you said, the next day or day after, maybe I'm like, oh, well, actually, this idea was shit. Uh, but this one is going to be better. Or actually, this one was not so bad. But we need to take this out and bring this in. And that's how I work. I like to, to go back and forth. And I'm wrong all the time. Uh, but in the end, little by little, you get very precise on what you want. Uh, the problem yeah. is when you're, you have a community like in the NFT space, like you said, there's a lot of hypocrisy, I guess. Uh, people pretending they want you to build, but actually what they want is the value to increase um, so that they can sell. Uh, and the truth is, that's one thing I noticed. If I had done the Maurice Mutant, Mutant Maurice or Maurice 2.0, I would have made a lot more money for the company. But at the same time, I don't know, I think I would have hurt the long-term project by doing something that I don't truly believe in. So no. yeah, maybe talking less, you know, just producing. And once you have the product, you show it and, and that's it. Yeah, it's tricky. I know that that's um, something we've, been thinking a lot about is like it's so frustrating as the person talking that you like you're so excited you want to share you want to keep the community involved but you know that things are going to take longer than even you expect and uh, and much longer than the community expects and so it's like um yeah i can only imagine because we were on a very small scale you become gun shy and you say nope i'm not talking about anything until it's ready so we can we can we can uh we don't have to answer the the questions what do you think if if you were if you were advising a new project, what's what would you say the right size is right now? Would you say 10k? Um, a new like PSP based project, just 10k, just because people are used to it. Uh, I think what what I like about 10k is that it gets you a good a good size for a community, and it's kind of important if you want. I've seen some like Gutter Cats, for instance. I think they're only 3.5k, uh, and they're doing amazing. There's a minimum, maybe 3.5 is the minimum to have a, a big community. Uh, I like 10K because 10K allows you to do a lot of different trades. And and I like I like tradition in a way. I like the, the, I think it's crazy for me that does, you know, one, one paintings to be able to do 10,000 different artworks that all have a soul and that you don't even know about, you know, like when I, I remember the first time we generated the Maury's, I looked at the. 21st and i was like ah, this is this is madness this is this is crazy good it's like it's so funny I, i'm i i I've, uh, I've even had in mind um doing collections of you know 100,000s or more because it depends on what you want to do if you want to have an exclusive club then i guess 10k is almost the maximum but if you want to do a game or yeah. something you can go further you can go to 1 million 2 millions uh, it depends on the price. It, it depends on the moment. Today is yeah, it's complicated because nothing is is selling very much in the NFT world. They're, all the mints are free mints. Uh, they are not of very good quality. The only one I've seen that is that was actually interesting was the the goblins uh, because the art wasn't bad. Uh, the guys had the good good marketing strategy that was actually refreshing uh and and honest uh really were really funny it's very complicated yeah. right now to launch a project so i would say to me nfts are not gonna are not gonna die they're they're amazing they're gonna keep on growing but at first we're maybe gonna be experiencing a bit of you know a calm or a, a bear market and i would be building i would be focusing on finding a, a good narrative a good concept and yeah, just taking time to do something really good and be ready, be patient and be ready to launch. The, the, the number doesn't really matter if, if it is true to the concept. If you're doing some handmade stuff, yeah. don't do 10K because first of all, it's going to take a lot of time. And then it is not very interesting. The 10K is generative. It's part of the, 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 the type of work of art. So number doesn't matter. What matters is, is timing, I guess. Yeah, and as an artist, how much have you have you been surprised at how how much time and energy 
like the the business side of the project takes versus just like you know focusing on the passion of art. I mean, even the you know even you know it's even though they're big numbers, right? People are people, you know, especially during the peak, people could sell out, and it's a lot of ETH. And but then the projects that did have long term plans, even with the royalties, like by the time you build assemble a team, and by the time you you know, budget for certain things and you look at a, oh man, this is actually going to take us a year or two years. It's not that much money um, to actually accomplish everything that everyone wants to accomplish, especially with the majority of communities expecting like, hey, I paid you once. That's enough. I shouldn't have to pay you again. Everything should be free from this point forward. Like how much has that kind of surprised you, The how complicated that side of the business is? And there's also, um, there's also the, the taxes. Uh, at first, people were like, "ETH is uh, is a good way of not paying taxes and you know having the money hidden." <laughs> but we we didn't want to do that because we were a company. So straight away, you had to take fifty percent. Uh, well, for a company, uh, at least twenty or thirty percent out straight away. Yeah. So I heard people at first telling me, "Oh, you, you made three millions. Uh, why don't we have a game and why don't we have stuff in Times Square and everything?" And I was like, "Well." We could have stuff in Times Square, but then we would be taking a risk uh, long term if there is a bear market, for instance. Uh, and honestly, I think we were lucky to to have a company and be and be building a video game for uh, four years before doing NFTs because we knew how much it it costs to do a video game and how much it costs to do marketing for that video game. Uh, so and. My father being a trader, I guess we had kind of a good idea of, you know, the volatility of, of a market like this and the link to the, the link of NFTs to ETH to, to the NASDAQ and to macro economy. So straight ahead, we knew that the money we made, uh, we needed to be careful about it. Of course, when you never made really much money, um, making two millions like this is, is, is fantastic. It, it is a lot of money. But if you want to build a game and do marketing and do a bit of stuff and pay a team, like you said, uh, it's not that much at all. And I guess that was one of the things that some people were happy about, about us, because they were like, okay, these guys actually know how to build a project. And some people were like, oh yeah, you're not producing enough. You're not working enough. And No, no I think it was just how, how surprising, yeah, that business side versus just you know, you start as an artist and you and you see a, an opportunity and it's just the business side and the all these complexities which no one really saw coming and then there's so many mis you know misperceptions yeah. um parts of the communities as far as like how much things cost, how long they should take. You know, what about pushing boundaries? I mean, I, like when you when you did NWO, I was so excited. I mean, obviously I bought a ton of them and I that <laughs> I just but I had a different expectation, right? I didn't think to myself, my 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 process is a little bit different. I just get excited and I'm like, oh, look at this, look at this. And oh, I want another one of these, another one of these. I don't, I don't sit there and look at them as like, man, if I buy a ton of red apes, like I'm gonna be able to sell them for X, right? I I, I get excited like everyone else when the prices are going up. Um, but I think it's what helps me, I guess, uh mentally with the ups and downs a little bit, is like I can just kind of laugh and go, okay, you know, I might have gone a little bit overboard. Like, did I need so many? But I just remember how fun it was and 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 how excited I was about it. But I, re- I was really excited about that collection because I thought this is this feels very um, different art wise from the majority of PFP projects. And I thought like uh, you know it made me really excited of like you know th- you know Elon can really keep pushing the boundaries of like what's possible and kind of make that connection to other forms of art. And then I always felt like. Yeah, but there's that there's so much pressure on building a game or doing something that you know these other things, and so it was a it was a tough balance. Like, do you have a like? How do you satisfy your desire as an artist to push boundaries with like kind of your not obligations, but the the vision as a more of a brand? Well, it's like you said, it's it's um, it's all about balance, and I guess again, yeah, we we have to you have to know what you're doing. Uh, to me, NWOs, they, they were not, they didn't have the, um, the brand quality that the Moris had. Uh, they were much more artistic. The idea was to have a PFP, but also, you know, so that people could, could um, vibrate with them. But it was to push a bit 
how generative art could look and actually look like art. If, if, if it would have reached a high price, we would have been super happy, but it wasn't the goal. And we were not, I was a bit surprised that it didn't make more noise because I thought that it was better than, than what I thought they would be looking uh, like at the end, but maybe it will come later. And, you know, to satisfy my, my uh, will of uh, my desire to create, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's truly balanced. Sometimes I don't create anymore because I'm focused on stuff I didn't think. Like you said, the business side, some of it I didn't expect. Like, well, first of all, the DMCAs and all the lawyer stuff, it's super slow. Like you ask a lawyer to do something and two weeks, it's a little signature or whatever. And two weeks after they, they didn't still haven't done it. So I was like, okay, this is taking a bit more time than I thought it would take. So then little by little, you, you, you kind of figure out what takes time and what doesn't, and you organize better. And, and eventually you have a good, you have to have a bit of a sacrifice, um, to make, uh, if you want to have something like the Maury's and even the, the a little success, uh, there will be a part of the job that you're not going to be liking, or that is going to take you a lot of energy and that side of the business, the, the, the time it takes with the lawyers and everything. It is exhausting. Uh, and at the same time, it's very interesting. I know I learned so many stuff. I had a, a problem saying no to some people. When the Samos, they had problems, I would, I would be giving them money or giving them, be giving them, you know, more Samos or everything. But there were 250 people. Uh, and suddenly with the Mori's, there was like 5,000 people telling me, Oh, I lost my Mori. Can you give me one? I started at first I was doing it. And then I was like, okay, uh, I have to stop in a way. And. Yeah, this whole thing, it learned me how to be a bit more uh, time managing and uh, energy managing. And yeah, I guess it's, it's I like to learn before yeah. doing art. I like to learn. And I guess that was the interesting part for it to me. And yeah, now I can do a bit of both. Uh, now that we have found a video game company, now that we uh, have the proper strategy from A to Z about where we want to go. Uh, I can manage my time better and I can spend half of my time doing art. But, you know, three months ago, it was not possible. I was like, okay, all the video games company told us they hated NFTs and they never want to work with NFTs. Uh, we actually need a game company to do to help us because we're just two of us and we can't, we can't do the game we want to do if we're not hiring someone. And everybody was just saying no, no, no. So it was times were harder before. Now it's, it's okay. You know, once, once you know where you want to go and you have put in place everything you need to go somewhere, then you can do art again and have fun again. Nice. And I think that's really uh, what I think it's about. And I understand the financial investments people make in this, that, and the other. But I think if you can keep it to having fun with art and then just finding, you know, new business, you know, opportunities that that come from that, but still always reminding yourself that those new business opportunities are only different or only fun right? If, if there's, if you're still, you know, remembering back to the art, remembering back to the fun. So for people that, um, have, have listened this far, got a, uh, any, a word of advice, what would you, um, what do you think, what's the most important piece of advice you could give to a young artist or a young creator who's, who's just thinking about, uh, getting into either a career in art or, or I guess more specifically launching, First, starting to think about launching their own NFT project. What's the one piece of advice you, you would give them? Well, one thing that has really helped me out is to have a long-term piece of work to be working on, but also have a short-term one. One thing that you can do every day and you have a result. Uh, this helps you not get desperate and like, okay, this is going nowhere. Every day you do a bit of art or, or a bit of whatever and you achieve something. And then you work on the long-term stuff. This is... This is to me something that is really helping the mental health uh, all along the way and, and keep on going. And the second thing, like you said, is there's always a price to pay. It's always bigger than you think it is. But as long as it is not bigger than the fun you are putting into uh, receiving from the project, it's okay. But if it start, if you start losing pleasure in what you're doing, really give a big thought about while you are doing it. And if it is a little period of time, you're sacrificing your health and your energy for something bigger, or if you just lost track of where you wanted to go, 
Uh, and it's always a bit back and forth. It's, it's, a, it's an act of balance. So sometimes you go too much into the work. Sometimes you go too much into the pleasure. The idea is to always look and try to do a bit of both. And you can't have all the fun without, without the work. And if you just have the work and no more fun, then is there going to be a result in the future? Is it worth, is it worth a, a sacrifice worth the results that are going to come to you in the future? Or is it just that you forgot what, why you were doing it at, in the first place, you know? And I think, yeah, that's the, that's the only piece of advice. Yeah. And then just go for it 100%. There's a lot of opportunities and, and it's worth it. I think it's a great answer. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I think, um, you know, it was great to, great to talk to you. Um, I'm excited that you've still got that passion, that creativity. I, I enjoy your candor and candor, candor, whatever that word is. I enjoy you being willing to say, say things and, and respond to people and kind of be a little unfiltered. Um, I don't want that to, you know, I would hate for, you know, the small group, you know, people only focus on financial results all the time to, to limit that in the industry. Cause I think we need more creative people and more people that are transparent and, and able to say what they think. And we should give everyone permission to change direction, change their mind. And so I really think, uh, Hey, your project's been great. Inspired a lot of people. Obviously the, you know, the free mental health services is groundbreaking. Someone no one else has done should get a lot more attention for that. But, uh, yeah, keep pushing boundaries and excited to, um, excited to see what's next. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for having me and for all the kind words. And, uh, yeah, we will, you know, maybe we, maybe the impact suite thing, mental health deserves more attention. Maybe not. I don't know. I, what I know is that we're going to keep on building and having fun and, uh, we're not going to give up. Uh, we love what we're doing and we hope to be doing this forever. So other groundbreaking things will come little by little and eventually, yeah, in, the impact suite will, will have more uh, attention and it, it will be perfect that way. Thank you so much for this, for this interview. No, I appreciate you coming out. Where can people, uh, where can people follow you? Where can they learn more about the project? Where they, where, where can they learn more, learn more? Yeah. Well, I'm always on Twitter. I'm always taking time to answer everybody, no matter how important they are or how many followers they have. Um, so of course, sometimes I don't have time, but I'm doing my best to, to do it. And yeah, if you want to learn more about the project, I guess the best, the best people to be talking to are the whole community because they've been following us since the beginning and they will be able to maybe tell you in a more interesting manner than me, how, why the Maury's are uh, an interesting project to, to be following. And yeah, Twitter is the best. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone listening, thanks for listening. If you get a chance, rate, review, subscribe, share this episode, go check out the Crypto Maury's and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week.